Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. We're mass communicating! We're mass Let's do the ads one more time. One more time, yeah. Let's do the ads one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On to the ads, ladies and gentlemen. At the Touchdowns All Day podcast, we have some new advertisers. How great is that? I love it. Thank you guys for advertising. We understand it's a pandemic and we want to help. What do we want to help? What are we trying to do here? What we're trying to do is let you guys know about some great products, and they're trying to support your podcast, these great companies. First off of the day is Nugs.net. You guys know Nugs.net. They feature over 15,000 shows from your favorite bands, hundreds of shows from the Disco Biscuits and other rad artists. Plus, there's a growing collection of full HD videos. So check it out for free for 30 days, Nugs.net slash touchdowns. If you don't have Nugs yet, how do you listen to your jam band stuff? One lucky listener who signs up for a free trial will win an annual subscription. That's right, win an annual subscription. So that's Nugs.net slash touchdowns. Thanks, guys, for being a consistent sponsor of the show. We love you here at Touchdowns All Day. What? What? You don't want me to tell people about Nugs so you can win the free annual subscription? Yeah? Okay. All right, we got a problem. All right, next up. Next up is Sinlon, S-Y-N-W... I can't even spell the name. Sinlon, S-Y-N-L-A-W-N. It's basically synthetic lawn. It's literal grass, folks. It's AstroTurf. 
Do you need AstroTurf in your yard? Do you need AstroTurf on your balcony, on the, anywhere around your house, on a playground, on a roof, golfing? Do you want to have the joy of grass without the pain of watering and maintenance? Well, this is for you. This is the largest manufacturer of synthetic grass in the country. It's made in the United States. It's bio ingredients such as soy and sugar cane. It's USDA bio-based certified and they will install it for you. So do you have a house and there's a bunch of dirt in the backyard? Put some Sinlon down, folks. Sinlon.com slash touchdowns for more information about the Sinlon products. And they also have a contest specially for Osiris Media Podcast Network listeners, which is, that's us, baby. The contest is to win an 8 foot by 14 foot Dave Peltz Greenmaker Putting Green System. A USA made professional quality putting green is perfect for golf lovers of all ages and skills. The Greenmaker is the finest complete package putting green system available on the market today. It's designed to replicate the experience of playing on a pro quality putting green no matter where you play. So it's simple tool free assembly, you get it. The We're going to choose a winner for the putting green on August 31 and the winner is going to have their putting green by Labor Day. So your Labor Day party is going to smash. Sinlon.com slash touchdowns to enter the contest. And for more information about Sinlon products, yes, folks, we have an advertiser that sells AstroTurf. Thank you, Sinlon, for joining the Touchdowns All Day family. Our next advertiser is CBD. They sent me a box of gummies, tinctures, keefs, flour, flowers in a pre-roll, uh, some coffee, do you like this stuff in CBD format? Go to sunsetlakecbd.com and look at all the documentation they have about their third-party test results for all their products. Check it all out. It is a... I know a lot of you guys are real connoisseurs of the market, and this these guys give you all the documentation you need to see everything about their products. They have a social mission. They are an advocate to end the war on drugs. They're donating 4.2% of online sales in July and likely further to the Drug Policy Alliance in hopes of furthering police and prison reform as it relates to drugs. And um, honestly, we smoked all their pre-rolls. We smoked every single one. It was crazy. And um, we're basically running through all the stuff. The gummies are great and the coffee's really great. I'm a real big fan. They carry gummies, tinctures, topical solves. Everything feels like very high quality and really works great. Uh, but the pre-rolls are my favorite. So if you like pre-rolls, this is your spot. So go ahead. It's at Sunset Lake Farm on Instagram and it's sunsetlakecbd.com. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWNS for 15% off for all of my listeners. Thank you, guys. And let's hop in. I think... I don't know. It's hard to speak for other people. I mean, I know. Speak for you. Yeah, that's the only that I was going to say. That's the only person I could speak for. I felt very strongly about the music that we were making. I felt, I felt two things. One, I, I was hugely in support of what we were doing musically. Um, especially some of the stuff that you were doing. Um, and then... Also, I really got off on, you know, being like a drummer DJ and playing that kind of like psychedelic, like really minimalist stuff that we played. I really, really enjoyed it viscerally. You know, that was like something that really I got off on. Like I loved improvising. I loved the like 
getting way out with all of us. And I love playing like a simple groove really well, like hitting the pocket, which is what I kind of got from Mark's music. And so I just really was into what we were doing at that point. And then, then to have like bigger crowds at the same time and me like kind of turning it up and down, I really felt like I was like muting things. Like I would take the kick out, the hi-hat out. I really felt like I was like kind of like a puppet master in a way. And of your really, own drumming? Of the whole band. Like when it was really working, like I felt like I was controlling the whole band. Like, but not really controlling, just like, you know, kind of like a conduit for what the audience heard. Like mm -hmm. I really felt like a mixing board for like the band was going through me and I was modulating the energy of what people heard. That's really like, the best points. I think that's probably the, that's how I felt about it. So how, what was, give me an example of something that you would do to exert some kind of DJ like control over the band. Uh, easy. I mean, so many little things like when the band was, when the band was fixed, there was nothing I could do. When the band was fixed. It was a launch pad to like some kind of release or the next song or the program set list. So then there was nothing when we were told that's, that's an extreme case, but that's, but if you think about the band as being entirely fixed or entirely open, like if the band was entirely fixed, it was just, I was just a drummer. If the band's entirely open, you know, then it was just like, it might not go anywhere. But in the, in the good situation where in the middle, it was like, I'd be playing, we'd get into like some jam section of whatever the hell song was. There was always a jam section and we jettison like the changes pretty quick and everybody would be super loose and you could feel everybody get super loose. And we'd be like in a, and I would just hit the Hyatt, you know, or just hit it like, and I hit it really hard and forward. And if I hit it really hard and forward, you know, it'd get really dark and really trance. And I'd like, I'd stop playing anything. And there was a lot of times in those jams when I felt everybody was loose and willing to go dark, where I would just not play any drums other than the kick drum and just go. Mm -hmm. You know, no hi-hat, no anything. And that was like a great feeling because then the band would line up, you know, it'd be like soldier hands. Everybody would line up rhythmically and hear that forward, just kick drum, nothing else. Not playing, any, I had this kit with all these, not that many drums, but like nothing, just that kick and like it would just be on, you know? No snare. Really, no snare, nothing. Like you go back and listen to those shows in the beginning of those jams and sometimes they're just like, when I'm feeling loose, maybe I had a couple to drink, maybe someone in the band had some kind of substance that was leading us to be open, but for whatever reason, or maybe we were just getting along well, we were like, more open than closed, just to put it. Just playing the kick was the greatest thing because mm -hmm. it's just like boiled down to an essence of what we were doing at the beginning of the jam. Limitless, you know, at that point, you could really go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Invariably, one of us would kind of fuck it up and like put us into a corner, you know, and yeah. then get out of it, we'd get out of it. And then we'd go rock band or we'd go, you know, like super psychedelic where we go weird Medeski and Martin Wood, like dead end, like uh, rhythmic, like everybody on weird atonal tapping or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> um, but the beginning of those things, like the, the simplest, like feeling that, like that forward just kick drum. And then sometimes it would be like, um, you want the, you feel the audience dancing in that way. And then you just add a little, like a little, like, little house skip on the hi-hat, like 
like a little, a little syncopation or a tiny little skip on the hi-hat with that same bass drum. And the whole thing becomes like Euro Miami in one second. And like everybody's in a Miami beach and Aaron will like, Aaron hears that like in, in the best situation, Aaron hears that and goes immediately to the roads. You know what I mean? It gets like a little jazz, like suspended thing going on. Or mm -hmm. you get like a little rhythmic comping thing. Or Mark gets like a little like slappy, you know, kind of thing. And it goes from being dark trance to being more Miami Beach. Right. Um, you know, so a lot of those little moves, those are just two examples. But like a lot of those moves are what I mean when it's like I felt like I was like controlling. And that's like a self-centered view of like the Biscuit universe. But that was like a fun feeling. And for a while, I felt, I felt like that was my job. I mean, that's an authentic take. I feel like that was your job too, frankly. Like I felt yeah. like when when you would go to that beat that really I've never heard any other drummer do, which is like both cymbals and a kick. Yeah. But you're not playing it to like slow us down. You're playing it to lift us up. Right. Which I never hear so anybody do. To, that's a good point. So that beat, that's like just kick drum, that's just kick drum. And then you need to do some kind of build up. But if you put in the snare drum, you're yeah. like, that's a that's a closed move. You know what I mean? I always used to think of it in terms of like open and close. So like and what do you mean by the that? snare drum? Mm -hmm. So going to the snare drum like closes off like the trance psychedelic part of it. Going to the snare drum is something that's hard to go back from. And so consequently I had three snare drums, an electric one, a tiny one, and a big one. Mm -hmm. And like once once you go to it, and so oftentimes I would go to it way too early because I'd just be overzealous if you just come too early you go to the snare drum and the band will launch and you become a little bit more close and that could be a great piece of music but when you go to the snare drum that's kind of it you know you can't go back right so if you have if you want to do a build like you have those like the, the wash on the cymbals while you're still on the kick it allows you to do like a little bit of the energy rise tell the band something you know or reciprocate, feel something from the band without going through the snare drum. Because going through the snare drum, once you finally go to the snare drum, then you're you're just that one step closer to being a rock and roll drum. You know? Right. Right. Unless you go to the E drum, do you still feel the same way about the E drum? I don't know. The E drums never worked that well. Maybe it was just the era. I always wanted them and they always sounded good in my ears. But when I go back and listen to the shows, it never was on the same level as the analog snare and drums. It just yeah. never we couldn't, we just, I don't think we had a technology right back then. Or maybe I wasn't nerdy enough to figure it out. Well, it's hard for the people who are mixing it because the snare drum sometimes is so loud in the room that it mixes itself. And you want to have some control over the sound. So you add more of your controlled snare in to mix with the heavy. Yeah, no, it's like, very hard. It's very hard, especially if you're doing like, like buzz kind of stuff on the edge of an analog snare, an edge of a real snare, then you then all of a sudden our music get a, a big, you know, hit in the middle of the head. Yeah. If you don't have compressors are on or if you, you don't have like your level set or if you haven't if the drummer hasn't done that yet in the song, then it's kinda of hard to figure out. And then you have your e drums which never change. And then you see a lot of the like bands nowadays, the drummers are playing what looks like a, a kit, like a kick from a kit. But the snare is an electric snare, so there is no real snare on the stage anymore. A yeah. lot of times, but you those know, snares are, are very different. Like even the cheap snare that I have in my apartment and those that e kit that I practice with, 
um, that's more dynamic than what I was playing back when I was in the disco biscuits. Those were yeah. completely almost a dynamic. So when I hear you guys with Alan now and his e drums, it does not. I don't have. I don't hear that problem. Well, I think Alan has all dynamic stuff. I mean, he's tuning his stuff constantly. But we have a tractor beam segment of the show now where he's kind of required to increase his fluency because a lot he's even triggering vocal samples back there and all sorts of stuff. Right. Have you heard that section of the show? What's that? I don't think I've heard. I don't think I I don't. I mean, I'm sure I've heard it, but I don't know that I've heard it and thought that this is track therapy. Yeah, we mix it in. We don't really put a sign up or anything like that. I'm too busy thinking like, do I know this song? What is he doing? Why is he doing that? What would I be doing? (laughs) It's funny that when you're talking about the kick drum, you're talking about being forward. And I feel like that's a term that you and I mind melded on. Oh, that was your your definition of forward. Did we did we ever agree on what the word forward means? No, or did, we never and, did, and I still we, don't know what the hell you mean by forward. <laughs> in fact, in what fact, do you mean by forward? In fact, in fact, sometimes when I'm listening to music, whatever, like I listen to a lot of music, but when I'm listening to music, I hear something, and I, it just happened to me recently. I forget what the hell it was, and I was like, "Is that what the fuck he meant by forward?" Like, I don't know. You had a very specific idea of forward. You're like Glenn Gould. That's what you're like. There's this thing that he did. Glenn Gould was the, the pianist, the, the Canadian pianist, right? He played Bach. But I, a couple years ago, I sent this to you. He played Bach. Famously. Like anybody ever. Yeah. yeah. So his, his Goldberg variations, like, I listen to all the time. And here's a guy. So nerdy. Is, is, is not even nerdy. He is all heart like his he is such a savant when it comes to Bach that his brain isn't even turned on like that's Mm -hmm. how good automatically he is so he's the rare person who can play technically challenging music like that and turn his brain off because he's just it's it's so he's so perfect at it and it can you then can approach that rigid music with uh the level of heart that it deserves which is but you can only think about once you are so good at playing it perfectly, right? And so right. Gould was able to do that to the point where, like you said, famously he hums when he's playing because he's like singing along with what he's playing. You, you listen to like the early recordings and he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's why it's like, good. It's like weird vocalization. Yeah, it's guttural vocalization. Um, and then so he had this, <laughs> he made this music, which was uh, the first piece I think was the uh, concept or the idea of north like this concept of the, the idea of the concept of north because he lived what's that in, well he lived in canada but he he was a self-isolating person his whole life and he he was fascinated with like the tundra like really northern like isolating canada even though he didn't live there and he made this like i guess you'd call it a tone poem of like overlapping voices talking about the concept of north it's just a piece um, and he edited it together in the late 50s, early 60s, whenever the hell it was. And he did a couple of those for like Canadian public radio. Um, where did we get into that? Why did we say that? Well, we were talking about forward and what the term means for you. And Right. So, right. Exactly. So for him, so forward, forward is a term like north. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Forward, forward is a term that it's just like what's in front of me, what's mm-hmm. faster. You know what I mean? Like on the top of the beat, mm-hmm. the first beat, like what is forward in terms of, is this a, that forward or is this? Forward to me was like playing, playing 
there were, I had like two ways where I was trying to define it. One was when you get to the one early. Okay. So you're you're playing the but front half early. You get there early, you're not on the beat. Yeah, if you get there early, you're playing. You're forward. You're in front of the beat. So I think of this as forward. Okay. So I think of this as forward in terms of like techno discos, right? So if I'm gonna, we're gonna start a jam, right? The forward beat. There's no skip. All leading up to that one. It's like a bunch of like football players piling on that one. That means, right? It's just like you want to just go, right? And then. The kick drum could be doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. That doesn't seem as forward to me. That's a little more behind because I'm emphasizing, I'm laying back. And it, to me, that like forward translates into the way that the band would play versus behind. I think we're talking about the same thing. Like if you're playing the uh of the one e and a two e and and you're playing one uh, but up, but up, but up, but up. That to me feels very forward. Uh, uh, uh. You know, and then if you're playing one e and uh, one e and uh, or one one e and one e and one e and one e and uh, and two and three and four and okay. five, and that would be behind the beat a little bit. One uh, on a But I always felt like you were looking for something that was not not a beat subdivision. You were looking for something that was a feel. Yes, like a, like a quickness in the music. Like get get forward, get it in, in in front of it, be first. Right. You know what I mean? I don't know if it really <laughs> applied to the drums as much as it applied to the melodies and the movement of the music. I think it was a concept. I think it was. I think it was a concept that we were chasing that has no real definition. I think it was like a limit. I think it was as an approaches forward. What is John? Yeah. I don't know what that something was. I was funny. It's funny that you used the term we're inspired though. To. I don't use that term anymore. I don't. I haven't used that term in a long time. Good, I guess we weren't understanding you. It was super confusing for everyone. <laughs> but I mean, I would think sound one would be forward. You know, that feels very forward very to me. Forward. It was written on a computer. It's very forward. Yeah, it's easy to be forward on a computer. You know what I mean? It's all like great. Yeah, it's easy to do that on a computer. It's much harder to do that with a bunch of musicians who kind of want to lay into everything and groove, and right. you still want to maintain that aggressive posture in the music while everybody wants to like chill out and groove what i learned is that you can do both it's better if you do like if you try and stay way in front of everything it's classical and it's cool but nowadays where the grooves are so important and the music is the sound systems are so big and stuff like that you kind of want to groove on everything it's also fun yeah, yeah. like laying back and grooving is also fun but not always so I don't know. When was the last time like a whole bunch of like twenty thousand people got together to jam to like a funk band? All the time. Lettuce is huge. You sell at Red Rocks all the time. But that's not fifty thousand people. Eh, you know, I get what you're saying. Like, you need a certain amount of like, like uh, I mean, you know, hip hop. Hip hop is that. Hip hop is that right now. Jay Z did that all year last year. He did a stadium tour, R&B and hip hop. Um, I mean, look, look, Kenny Chesney's doing stadiums, and that's country music. It's a totally different crowd, different vibe, but uh, and it's very much more singer-songwriter, sing-along stuff, big choruses, no groove at all, really. I mean, there's a little groove to it, but it's more about like singing along and and like throwing your cares away. It's like modern Jimmy Buffett. 
You ever listen to Kenny Chesney? No. Who's Kenny Chesney? He's a huge country star. I don't know how I got tickets to stand on his stage at, at, at Giant Stadium. I don't know. I, I don't know how Is that happened. Good? I think uh, Joe Mo got him for me. I thought it was great. I mean, I was with a bunch of people. They were all singing along. Everybody's having a great time. I'm not... To me, like, I'm not judging other artists at the show, you know? I, I don't really? care. You see the Post Malone Nirvana cover set? Uh, I saw Howard Stern talk about it, which is just unbelievable, but I didn't see I that. I saw Howard Stern talk about it, too, and then the next day I listened to the whole thing because Howard told me to, which is how I learned about a lot of things, which is weird because I'm learning it from, like, a 70-year-old Jewish guy who's going to his <laughs> Hampton's house. I know, seriously. He's right. He gets, he's gets right. his food, like, airdropped by a helicopter and then disinfected. Right, right. nine hours watching his raspberries. Uh, <laughs> but it was great. It was great. Yeah, I mean, he's good, man. Uh, a buddy of mine played drums with him before he was Post Malone, before that Rockstar song came out. And he said uh, he said that Post used to play guitar and sing in the band, and my buddy Elmo played drums. And, uh, you know, he said it was a pretty cool band. It's just L.A. bands, like, come and go like the wind, you know? Right. They make a band together, it's gone. So how did Post Malone go from that to being, like, this, like, emo, hip-hop, amazing guy? Then... The song, that one song. The, the song, the... La 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 la, taking pillies like a rock star, taking pillies like a rock that star. That song was huge. That song was huge. Yeah, it was big, but that was it. That made him post Malone. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, he had other hits after that. I don't think that's even his biggest hit, but that—that's the different. That's the one hit that then puts him. You know, his next album is now. The billboards like okay, what what's the chart song like? What the radio stations are like? Which song are we playing of your album? Right. You know, like they don't call artists and say that until you have that one song. And I think that Rockstar song was an interesting song because, you know, people didn't know who that he was, and you know, on the radio he could it could have been anybody who made that song. I mean, it could have been, you know, it could have been Travis Scott. It could have been so many different people. Like you, you had no idea who it was when you heard it. Sounded like a hip hop song. Sounded like a trap song. So it was just that's like it fit you're everywhere. Right, that that's what you're saying. So I, so I got way into it, right? This Howard, I totally agree. It sounded like a hip hop song. Howard turned, said that he heard this guy, Post Malone, he doesn't know. And I was like, I've been hearing about Post Malone. I kind of like know that song, a couple songs that he sings. Like, that's weird that he's doing Nirvana. I don't know too much about it. I'll go watch it. And then, like, normal, I like got into a YouTube hole with Post Malone. And there was like, he does this like round of morning shows and there's this morning show or like internet show, which everybody would probably know. I don't even know what it's called. It's two dudes, two skinny dudes. One guy has a beard. One guy is more sporty. And it's like a family feud of rap styles. It's like Beastie Boys, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, um, like some other, like, a, like I don't know. I, I don't know enough rappers. To, there's more styles of rap that have happened after I knew about hip hop that exist that are listed. And the one of them is Post Malone. And these two guys, like, and then they have to do nursery rhymes, like, to the style of the hip hop on the board. Right. Mm. And these That's guys are amazing it. These guys are amazing it. And Post wow. Malone's not that good at it. And the Post Malone rap was not, the Post Malone style wasn't that great. Wait, did, was it Post Malone doing it, or was it them imitating well, Post, Post Malone? Post Malone and these two other guys who were the host of the show, and then they took turns. Like, the, so they just put they him say, on the spot. They, well, it seemed like it was kind of picked out in advance. 
Uh, he okay. Post Malone Still. ends up having to do Sugar Hill Gang style nursery rhyme, and then uh-huh. one other one, which is like an easy one. And the two hosts have to do like Beastie Boys uh, and like um, I forget what the other ones are, but a bunch of other more complicated hip hop artists. That's hard. That's that's dope. That's dope. I mean, look, there's probably those radio shows. You know, is like. Five million people listening to those radio shows. You, you have to. I'm sure, like, they're nervous as fuck on that. The, you know, uh, those those things are. Uh, they put you on the spot and are like, "Hey, you, time for you to freestyle on our morning show." Is there there's little kids listening? What? What's that sun lamp? Is there a sun lamp behind your head? Yeah, there's a. That's the sun. That's the Whoa. actual sun. Yeah. Oh, it's the actual. I live near the sun, Sam. You. You, you live much closer to the sun. Look at it. Look at it. It sits behind me just like that all day long. It's kind of annoying in a way because it, you can't use the computer. Like, it makes me stop using the computer because at a certain hour, the sun comes through the window. I could block it, but I, I don't. I just take it as a sign from God that I should stop staring at the computer and go do something else. So I do. It's in L.A. You can't get away from the sun. It's great out here. I, I, don't, know, I don't know why everybody... I wish my whole family, like all of Riv's family would move everyone related to rev would move out here because i want him to be around everyone that he's related to but if i live you know we got to move all the way back east to do that and i like living near the pacific ocean it's a weird thing i'm a i you know i I did a triathlon where i swam in the ocean i just like even if i don't go in the ocean I did a triathlon uh, last year. We, I had to swim a half mile at six o'clock in the morning in the October Ocean, and it was literally Dude, terrible. You know the Pacific Ocean is cold. Yeah, it was freezing. It was all. I was in a wet. Did you not know that before you decided to do it? I knew it, but like, no, I know. Swimming in the ocean. I, I swimming tried the, to do a triathlon. It seems hard, but it's not. I mean, you can finish it I don't with think no. It seems hard. I think I'm not thinking it's hard enough. How far How you run? Run. How long was it run? Four miles. No problem. I ran three miles this morning. Right. The bike is 17 miles. And the swim is a half mile. I never bike. Yeah, it's a, there's a... a I d- the what? Most people get hung up on the swim. But I think I would get hung up on the bike because I never bike. I mean, look, the bike's the fun part, dude. You're on this bike. You're on this cool... Like, we did the bike on the 101 with these hills, the ocean to the left. Like, you're trying to make time, but then you look to the left and you're like... This might be the nicest bike ride I've ever taken in my entire life. The bike is the end. No. N- no, the run, the run is, is the end. The bike's the beginning. Then you yeah. swim and then no, you No, the swim's the beginning. Swim, bike, run. So you swim. It's terrible. There's people like you. There's there's people in the water like 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 buoys, like gasping for air, dying. And then there's other people who are like climbing over you because they're trying to set the triathlon record in South Carolina Dentist Association. So you have to like, and I'm in the middle, it's like- I'm association. Yeah, there's some people out there who like really want to do well. No joke. <laughs> there's people who like really care about the triathlon time. And then there's people who are about like literally dying. They need to get pulled out of the water and you have to swim through all that. And it's freezing, it's six in the morning and you're tired and you, why did you sign up for this type of thing? But I once think you that get part's going to be very hard for me. I don't think that part's going to be very hard for me. No, I think the six o'clock in the morning swimming in the ocean is going to be the easy part. I think the bike's going to be the hard part because I never bike. 
Well, I made a huge epic fail on mine. I was in the front of my group and I ran out in front of everybody to get in the water first. And I tried to jump over the wave and it hit my legs and I fell right on my fucking face in front of the entire triathlon committee, the guys with the microphones and everything. I think the guy who's like, ready, set, go, watched me run. And then when I hit the water, he goes, oh, that had to hurt. What? I knocked like, I knocked the wind out of my, I was like, I couldn't breathe. I was just like, oh man. And then you recovered and you did you did your swim. I literally had a conversation with myself that was like, oh my God, am I going to quit in the first 10 seconds? <laughs> I was like, how do I do a try? I was so shocked and I had no air. And I was like, how am I going to run a triathlon like this? Like, What a great conversation to have with yourself though. That's a, yeah, that's that, a killer. And, and then I got in the water and it's just like, when you have to swim that far and there's so many people, like I was first. So there was like 500 people in my group. So while I'm sitting there, panting and panicking and trying to right. like figure out how, people are pushing me into the water and like trying to swim by me really it's like a fishy fish triathlon yeah i should have gone last i should have walked into the water like a cool motherfucker swam leisurely i would have made it to the end super easy super fast instead i was panting like literally the whole time because when you're in the water how do you rest how do you catch your breath once you lost tread your breath water, i guess i guess you tread water I tried that, but it didn't seem to work. It's too cold. Like, you tread water when it's that cold, you're like burning fuel the whole time because it's freezing. What you're saying, what you're saying is so it's so interesting. That's really interesting. I read a lot of these. Like the last couple of years, I've been really into these books on uh, uh, Navy SEALs and Delta Force. Like I've read every single one. What's the best one? Uh, Mem- Eric Haney, Inside Delta Force. I think that was my favorite one. Okay. I never. I'll read it now. I'm biased now toward Delta Force rather than the Navy SEAL SEAL Team 6, but I literally have read them all. And, okay. Um, and what's so great about one that one? The, even the one by the uh, the mayor of whatever town that was, the Rhodes Scholar guy who was found to have a, an affair. He was having an affair with a sex machine. He was his mistress, and he built a sex machine. It was a great, Eric Brighton. He wrote a really good one about the SEALs, and then he was disgraced as a as a politician, which just doesn't think that much. Um, okay. I always Good. say all these things, Excellent side you, have to, you have to do these incredible feats of strength and endurance. And all of them say, never be the guy to spaz off the line. Always catch yourself in the beginning and chill out. Like there's always a group of guys in any of the entrance tests, of which there are many for all these like the forces. People okay. always bounce off the line and those are never the guys who make it you know yes. what i mean those guys who are too slow who can't make it also they don't make it but the guys who make it like have the confidence that they're going to make it and don't expend all their energy at the beginning and they can just maintain you know and they know when to turn it up and to turn it down and they don't get freaked out by that starting gun you know what i mean they never do they just i wanted to get into the water get ahead of everybody catch the group in front of me not and Navy seal not delta force it literally, like, I didn't catch my breath till like mile eight of the bike. So I was. What uh, if you had to kill three terrorists at mile six? You would not have yeah, been able to. I wouldn't been able to do it. I wouldn't be able to do it. But I do know that the time that we were playing a show, uh, you weren't there. It was an Allen show, 
and I broke my wrist after the show and I went to the emergency room. They shot those needles into my arm and I, I was in so much pain that I was looking down on myself from from a third person location up in the sky. You know what I mean? I was looking down at the Very hospital at myself. Yeah, I was looking down at myself and I was telling myself, if this was torture, I wouldn't tell these motherfuckers anything. I wouldn't tell them jack shit if they wanted to know, you know, if they're put, they literally shattered my arm and were putting needles into it. At a certain point, the pain got so high that I actually was able to step above it and look down on it and no longer feel it. And just, it was just like, uh, you know, it was like standing next to a washing machine. Like it's going. You knew, they weren't, tri- you knew they weren't trying to kill you. Yeah, I knew that. It's true. Could have been worse, is what you're saying. Could have been worse. Let me ask a quick question here. This is from Lowell Curtis. He wants to know, how did you become the best drummer in the world? Who taught you? And I don't even know the answer to this question. Who taught you how to play drums? Uh, That's a good question. Not the best drummer in the world. Thanks. Um, But I started playing drums. I started playing music. I went on a teen tour because that's what Jewish kids from Long Island did. And on the teen tour was one non-Jewish kid with like blonde feathery hair, tall like metalhead. He was way into like hardcore, Cro-Mags, Crumbsuckers, real hardcore, uh, New York hardcore and California hardcore. Band. Um, Murphy's Law, stuff like that. And he was like, if you play bass, you don't need to read music. It's just two notes, bum, 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 bum. You can just read tab and it's really cool and girls will like it. So I got back from that Dean tour and girls didn't like me and they really liked him. And I got a BC Rich Warlock, which was like a white uh, BC Rich bass. Looks like a battle axe. Have you ever seen that? And I think I did. I think I know the one you're talking about. I played bass. And at the same time, like I had doting Jewish parents who bought me a, a drum set, Pearl Export drum set and a guitar. And my brother also played all these things. And so I would come home from school and me, and him would jam and like kind of rotate through instruments. And we had like little like junior high and high school bands, but that's how I learned to play drums. And then I would play, I play bass along with like the Derek and the Dominoes box set and also uh, the Grateful Dead. And I'd play drums along with pretty much everything. And then some bands. I had drum lessons for like a month with a big band jazz guy, which I did not like. What'd you guys do? He gave me a book and it, you know, it was rudiments and, uh, and then there was, he, so he was sponsored by, uh, I forget what, I forget what drum kit he was sponsored by, but he was like a, he was a serious big band guy. Like one of these buddy rich guys, they'd go on, you know, he was from the big band era. He was like Al Miller was his name and he was like a real big band guy uh, and he has kit there and you couldn't play it. You had to play on like the pads and the, but you practiced. Mm-hmm. And he had this sweet drum kit, which was like way better than the drum kit that every kid who was taking lessons with him had. And uh, you weren't allowed to play it. it was so annoying. Every once in a while, he'd like go up because it was in the basement of his house. He'd, his wife would make him like a tuna sandwich, and you'd like go and play his drum kit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I don't know. I couldn't get into it. I couldn't get into the um, marching band, like the rudiments. 
thing. I should have. Like, I like. In fact, when I went back to play with you guys recently at Bisco, I like practiced rudiments maybe for the first time in my life, and it felt really good to do it. Like to to have that uh, those chops under what I was playing, like because it allows you to do so much more. Like you, you can right. hear stuff, and uh, you can say like you can hear anything, but you can't hear stuff that you don't even have any ability to play. So once you start practicing stuff like that, you're able to hear more things and play more things. Totally. You don't always have to, nor should you, but it's nice to have the option. You know, it's like if I was a radiologist and I was like, I'm only going to learn the liver and I don't really need to learn the pancreas, and then I would never see any pancreatic cancer because I wouldn't know anything about the pancreas. Right, and you maybe that goes back to just view just detecting cancers in general and like I agree with the rudiment points on music too it's the same with guitar you know if you can play something in a practicey sense you know at the point where you've kind of drilled it in a way if you can get to that drill point then when you when you're loose and you're just improving it's there you know right there. and then you you can bring it in and keep it melodic and keep it artistic. But if you're trying to force something in that you can't really do, it takes you out of the whole trance because you're like I mean, klutzy. 100%. There's an Elvin Jones, like the, the drummer of the Coltrane Quartet, right? So Elvin Jones did some solo music, which is great. He did some cool albums. Um, and his drumming is really loose and kind of African, for, but also like pretty erudite when it comes to jazz, right? He knows how to swing. And uh, I was practicing like paradiddles on that pad, and I was listening to uh, Elvin Jones's albums, and I remember putting together the just paradiddles for the first time in in the setting of an actual like piece of music, like how to get around what he did, and it, it was just, it just struck me that all this all these years of playing drums and not playing drums, I had never actually put together where a paradiddle fits into something. Who was something that somebody played? Who was a big influence of mine? Elvin Jones was a big influence of mine. So, so yeah. stupid because all the, all these years I should have been guys in Carlos because had all that opportunity to play that in music it would have been so much better. You know, you can't uh, you can't look at stuff in the past like that because that you were probably practicing something. It just what didn't happen to be paradiddles. Like if you look back in time, like. You were probably busy trying to fall, figure out how to fall asleep, how to play better Rochambeau with the bomb so you could get better sleeping quarters. Because I think we were dealing with that a lot as a, in our youth. We were doing that a lot, yeah. We could have been dealing with paradiddles a little bit more and a little less yeah. fighting for the single bed on the tour. You know what I mean? I always took myself out of that loop, though. Do you recall, I would always sleep in the closet or I would sneak in like, the room where they had the snake. Like I always say, like you guys, Rochambeau for the this bed. I'm perfectly fine sleeping in the fireplace, which nobody <laughs> wants, but I, I know it will be my my own. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, you obviously don't miss sleeping in the fireplace, but is there is there something about playing in the band that you miss from back in the day that nowadays you're like, oh, I kind of miss that. Yeah, definitely. Um, every time I play music, 100. percent I miss it all the time. I mean, uh, when I play, like I was, t I was saying that um, you know, we have friends who have uh, guitars and basses, and I was practicing pre-COVID, you know, with uh, Leslie's sister's brother or whatever, and then also in a studio for a while with some old friends in Midtown. I was going to practice, 
and people from like all walks of life people do it seriously people who don't do it seriously and uh i just i don't know i just really enjoy playing with other people and people always say you know what are you what do you want to do do you want to get in band now that you have a little bit more time mm-hmm. um because I've been on stage now with Aaron and Mark playing some Grateful Dead cover stuff, which was really yes. fun at a festival with you guys. And it's all really fun. I just really enjoy it. And I would like to get to a point in my life where I'm just playing music. Honestly, I mean, my wife always scoffs at me for this, honestly, because she thinks that I'm selling myself short. But I would love to have like a barn with all the instruments, drums, like just like I did when I was a kid, you know, like my yeah. brother and I. Like bass, drums, guitar, keys, and uh, a group of people who would come over, and like a couple of local bars where we would play out, and like have like some cover bands, and then like some original stuff, and that'd be it. There's like a weird version of heaven. That would be great. There's a weird version of heaven that I envision where I'm the drummer in a Grateful Dead cover band, which is like a, a, a real repeat recurring fantasy for me. Uh-huh. What a fun job to be the drummer to go for that government. I mean, even yeah. Joe Russo did it, and he was like not a that, Grateful that, Dead I, fan. That is the weirdest thing of all time. Yeah, he, he was a jazz guy dude. A lot. Yeah. A lot. And now he's got his own Grateful Dead cover band that's legit. It's very funny that things work out that way. That's almost too ridiculous to talk about. Because Jay Rabbit's great. Jay Rabbit's yes. really great. He's really good at it, and he obviously loves the music. Like people discover that music later and are great at it. Like John Mayer is pretty great. He's a pretty great Jerry. I don't care what he's a great Jerry. He's a great Jerry. So um, he's the only Russo. Jerry that I really like, to be honest with you. He's a great Jerry. He's a really great Jerry. He's like I still singer. I still miss Jerry all the time, but you know, Mayer right. does a good job. Right. People yeah, I mean Leslie and I will go see uh Mayor Dead and it's great and it's fun. Mm -hmm. most of the band and he's a great guitar player and he's a good singer yeah i love uh i love oteal should not get away with this though because he he would make fun of us for being the the hippie band when he was in fat mama which was the jazz snob band all he did was rip on us for being a noodly jam band all he did he did rip on us all the time every time he used to stay with us in philly like when they had shows I remember like we were at Greenfield's house. We were waking up. I don't know. I, I guess I stayed there too. We had a party or something the next morning. And he was playing Radiohead on acoustic guitar and I'd never heard the song before. And I was like, man, that song sounds really good. Like, what song is that? And he goes, it's better than any song you'll ever write with your shitty jam band. And I was just like, whoa, dude. <laughs> did, did he really say that? <laughs> I don't know, some shit like that. I don't know the exact words. But he didn't mean it like... Like, he didn't mean it honestly. He was, like, being a scathing, like, yeah. he was being funny. You know what I mean? He's been great. That's why we yeah. like Joe Russo. He yeah, he's, he's being really funny. But, like, he did making fun of us for being in a jam band was a thing that he loved doing. He and did now, make fun of us. That was not a fake thing that I'm misremembering. He did. No, and now he's in the Grateful Dead. It's just like, what? What happened there? It was there? hard to hurt our feelings. It wasn't like you're hurting. Like, we, we weren't so, <laughs> like, oh, my God, how would you say that? We, like, thought it was funny. Yeah. He, he, you had to say the harshest thing and possible Pat to Pat us. Mama was kind of good. Like, I kind of liked Fat Mama. They were like, I did, too. Yeah, it was a great band. 
too many people in that band. There was just too many variables. But uh, I never knew how they got paid. Foxtrot, Zulu, Schleho, yeah. like all these weird bands. And how the hell did they get paid? There were so many people. I they mean, paid you also have three horns. That's why the DJ thing is like, that's why everybody's a DJ. Because it's like, ah, it's just me. I get all the money. Thanks. I got right. one hotel room. Yeah, right. that's all it is. So did they send you music? Are we able to listen to a song? Crunk Mike said that we were going to listen to Nug Huffer and Sound One. Hold on a second. Uh, let's just listen to Sound One. Okay. I already did Nug Huffer th- uh, with, uh, with the thing. Okay. Yeah, let's listen to Sound One. Um, and the key is that we just started at the same time. Three, two, one, press. We're not talking about things that on like a micro beat level. We're talking like, like we're talking about the music, how it makes you feel, like and what you're thinking at the time. We don't need to be perfectly in sync. You know what I mean? God, making you guys learn this was so uh, sadistic. I mean, some of those licks are are like unplayable on the guitar almost. I know. <laughs> Crazy shit. You're right for running me over. <laughs> it really speaks to music, though. Here, let's listen to see how we play it real quick. to get the guitar and the key line together. A lot of precision. This part's great. Yeah, it's the best part. Not bad ending there. Yeah, it was pretty good. You know, we played it pretty flawless. For, there's a couple spots, but, you know, we probably just, it's, we probably, ha- you know, these, it's different than being in a band where you play this stuff every night, you know? Like, this level of technical precision has to be on call at a random point in time in the future, you know? Like this song takes for practice. It's like it's it's all sorts of stuff that you don't get a chance to practice, and then it's on the set list suddenly, and you're like, oh, 
How sweet is that? And then you got to go up and play it. I always kind of felt that I never really cared how hard it was to play because you ran over my foot and it was such a big deal that I felt like I delivered on your request and you should just have to play it. I, that's that's why I learned it. I agree with you 100%. <laughs> You know, had to learn it too, and he was not really part of that. So. Yeah, it's, well, it's, you know, it's called being in a band. But I never complained about learning. I mean, there's some insane no, stuff in there. Did not you did definitely did not. You took your you took your lumps. Yeah, that was it. That was what it was. Musical punishment is always the. It always makes sense to me. In this case, I mean, I guess you drive over somebody's foot. You know, that was nice. I mean, I also knocked Aaron's keyboard over, and uh, he didn't make me learn something really hard on guitar. He just yelled at me for five years about it. (laughs) (laughs) So that happened too, so whatever. This is a good jam though. I like where this is going. So this is like a nice forward techno jam right here. Yeah, exactly. But it's a very fast tempo, so it's it can't be as loose. Like this tempo, like once you get too fast, that's also like a closing influence. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a very fast tempo is, is like a snare drum. It's like a, it's a closing influence. I mean, I love the hat work here. You're really pushing that. The hat work is nasty. Listen to all the like the flams and the flares to it. I mean, you can't program a hat that's that expressive and yet that tight, you know? We were kind of pushing on that like kind of subtle. Bam, 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 bam. I'm trying to like soften that a little bit and make it like a, a transable uh, subdivision beat. You know what I mean? It's like kind of trying to open that a little bit. And Aaron is complying right there. I mean, the whole band did, you know? What just happened there? What just happened? I think we're like deep in a rotation right now. Okay, why am I doing that? I mean, this is super open right now. Yeah. Is that you? Doing what? That vibrato chord, is that you? Or is that Aaron? No, you're doing... I don't know who's doing that. Yeah, you're doing... I thought it was me at first, but I'm going... No, no, but you're not, that's not you, it's Aaron. I don't know if it was. I mean, listen to this, no kick drum at all. We're playing. Because I'm frustrated. I can tell that I'm frustrated. Is that why you would pull the kick there? 
I was trying to like move. So sometimes when I try to get the band to move, I stop playing to like highlight something. It works. It works well. See, I'm being, I'm, I'm not being that patient. So I'm frustrated for something real or imagined right here. It's not terrible. Well, it's just we're playing a lot of notes. I mean, it's yeah. like you, you might have a mix where the, the, the notes that we're playing don't sound good in your mix, but in my mix, they may be mixed in a way that sounds perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah, it like, sounds good. No, it sounds good, but I, I hear what I'm doing and I know that I'm moving through changes faster. Like, yeah. Like that was like a heavy fill. So you can't take away the fact that if you go back to any of these shows, I could have been upset at any number of things or myself or not been feeling that great. It sounds cool though, it's a cool jam. Yeah, I mean, you're playing great. I mean, it's-, it's... I mean, but I mean, your response to this right here is cool. You just- This is like a little bit of a ball right here. Yes. I like the, the, is there a rim shot there? Yeah, so I totally want to go psychedelic and into the ball. And that's forward. Hear that? Yeah, Mark's baseline is super forward here. Yeah. So he responded to that. Yeah. I responded to him. Hard to say. You're playing a really cool chanty. That's sort of the really cool chanty line. Now I'm playing one of those guitar lines that like is a natural hand motion. It's like a flick of the wrist almost. Right. It's just, you can repeat it all day long and it's very smooth and it's just that moment. There's me and my tiny drums trying to do like Steve Perkins. Totally. Sounds like two drummers here. I think someone's panning it around. I mean, what a tribal beat, though. I know myself right here. I'm being unsettled. Like, I'm not happy with what's happening. Like, I feel like I'm not being patient enough. Something's happening with me. Well, there's like literally nobody has played a normal line through the whole champ. Now you and I are sinking on that head. Yeah, we, we got into a place, into this little ball that we were like all happy that we got into. And then we weren't quite sure had what to do with it. Yes. Like where we're gonna go, like what what are we thinking about?
Harry and Mark are playing kind of a nice supporting role right now for what you and I are trying to figure out, I feel like. That's how I hear this. Yeah. Guitar synth craziness, I love it. What's happening here? I turned on that guitar synth sound. I mean, this is a crazy ball right here. I think I could have dropped him. I feel like mostly Mark and I were at the top of the gym before you, most times. I think so. I mean, I could have brought in a melody, like, I could have brought in something maybe, I brought in like a slow, low melody before the sin. I could, I could have brought in a little bit of a higher melody. In some kind of ant hole. Can't catch the changes any better than that. We don't do that ending, do we? I don't think we did that. We don't do that ending anymore.
<laughs> there it is. That's pretty good. There it is. I mean, hey, the 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 musicianship by everybody was at a super high level, and we came out on top. And in the middle there, you know, we used to go so deep into those rotations. That's what happens sometimes. You get into those crazy balls in the middle of nowhere. But it, it did sound like you were pushing the jam into like some different trancey places, but no one in the band was playing in a trancey way. So we weren't, we were always going to ball up or do something in there. Uh, I, think, I think Aaron and Mark uh, were actually the, the forward thinking people in that jam. I think uh, I was definitely impatient. I think in that jam, I could have been much better. Yeah. Okay. I hear I think that. There's a weak link in that jam. It was a great jam, but I mean, if we have to like pick a loser, I think the loser is Nick. Well, we don't have to pick a loser. I don't know where you're going with this. There's no like. I, I mean, uh, I guess that's <laughs> where my mind. Goes. I, I mean, we've never had a post jam pick a loser. You're, this is a new thing that you're inventing. <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> well, there's... we just started pick a loser. I mean, I think <laughs> I, was a loser. I think I think we got into a cool place instigated yeah. by me and you. And then I think Aaron and Mark ran with it, and I think I, I think it didn't have enough patience to follow through. Which is I mean, look, the, case. I mean, yeah. The reason that Rich Steele picked that jam was because he thought it was a, an exemplary drumming example. So clearly, he thinks the drumming is great on that version. Right. He picked that song for you and me to listen to together. So. So he and I can talk, but I mean, I think that uh, he's going to disagree with you. I'm sure, and I think a lot of the I'm fan sure base Rich, is all hurt. I'm, I'm sure Rich Steele will disagree with me, but I was impatient. Like okay. outwardly, I, it sounds like I'm leading the jam, but but clearly I'm moving too fast, and everybody in the band is willing to listen to what I'm doing. But in that, I can hear myself. I know when I'm impatient, and in that jam, I was being impatient. Was, mm. I don't know why. It was, I was upset with you. I was upset with Mark. Maybe I was upset with how long the set was, or I wanted to do something that I now don't recall. But yes, you could that's hear probably my what it was. I was moving too. I was moving too fast yeah. through what... different things. Well, there you go. Still good. Still good. That's fun, though. That's fun. I'm glad we got a chance to do that. So that's basically what the podcast is. We listen to the old jams and. You know, talk about them, and there, there, there's, there's all types. There's great ones, there's bad ones, there's medium ones. It's crazy. So many jams. It's unbelievable. I like it. Yeah, we should do an all jam show after this. We should do one where we just listen to jams, because we just did the whole interview. So we should, we should do one show where we just listen rule, to jams. The rule is you can't say anything bad about anybody else. I mean, it's like yeah. You know, yeah, it's like what 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 do you what do you I think, a, I think that's a good parameter and because in that jam I, I didn't have to abide by that rule because I, I think the only person I was annoyed with in that jam was myself so it's fortunate yeah but you, just because you don't say anything bad about other people doesn't mean you have to say things that are bad about yourself no, you can still just be positive I, I, about I, yourself I think that was just lucky you I mean, can say lucky. can you say the phrase out loud I played great drums in that jam Oh, I did play great games. I don't have any problems with. Uh, did you I just say it, or job. did you say? Did you say the opposite of that, or did you just say that? No, I think I played great drums in that jam, but I, I think I was. There we go. If, I like. I think that. the. I think a good exercise is to talk about what you know we did or didn't do, and I think I was crushing. 
I mean, I think one thing that I would talk about is that one spot in that second major ball that we pointed out. I should come in with a very singable, carryable melody at that point, or Aaron should, one of the two of us should, but generally it would be my job to do it. Um, but you didn't and, have anything. And I didn't have anything there. I came in with a tenor Papadopoulos line that just nobody could sing along with. And so that created us, uh, you know, we still were able to cap the jam even though. So, you know, it's well, great. We like that. We, could, we could definitely always do that. But I mean, like, uh, yeah. But the guitar playing was, look- was smoke show, but it just it could great. have been better. Could have been better. You didn't find the greatest melody? No, it was okay. It was okay. I mean, we hit the changes. I think we've always been uncomfortable <laughs> in those changes. You know what I mean? And uh, who knows where we were and what was going on. So, all right, but I got to wrap this up. I got to call it a night because it's late here. It's later for you and you got to get up at 530. But this was a great interview, Sammy. Thanks for doing Very it. Thanks for job. doing it on the Zoom. Say goodbye to the podcast fans for a moment. Bye, and uh, everybody, Sam Altman, the professor, turn the doctor. And uh, and a lot of people were psyched about your Campisco performance so hopefully you just yeah the fans were very happy about that so keep that in mind for me next time you come bring your drumsticks you know what i mean okay fair enough yeah hey brother all right see you man thanks so much we're mass communicating like to thank our sponsors for the show today it's harrys.com slash touchdowns harry's razors it's just a better blade folks don't worry about subscriptions you can set it to the least amount of razors per your term and you just save a ton of money and you get a great product listeners of my show can redeem their harry's trial set at harrys.com slash touchdowns you'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip five blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade gotta have the trimmer blade rich lathering shave gel with aloe go to harrys.com slash touchdowns and start shaving better today i'm still on my first harry's blade since the last ad i mean i don't shave that often i shave like two three times a week but i'm still in i'm still on the first blade so i'll tell you how the second blade is when i get to it so go to survivor on the header of the touchdowns all day website send the video in and off we go uh, Survivor Quarantine is sponsored by Bro Bible and the Osiris Podcast Network.